the book of Acts. We are in Acts, the 17th chapter. Acts, the 17th chapter. Hallelujah. Acts, the 17th chapter. This is sort of a continuation of thoughts from last week when I had asked that question, what is your tribe? And we talked about the concept of tribalism that is in America and how it's dividing so many things. And we can, of course, cannot allow that to happen in the church uh, we, because we are of a different tribe. Hallelujah. I am so glad that I am not a member of these tribes that are in this world. And as members of a different tribe, we have a whole different perspective and a whole different outlook and a whole different way of ministry as well. And we're going to look at, at Paul on Mars Hill uh, and how he ministered to a certain group of people, which uh, is, uh, I think, particular to us today. But uh, first, there was a uh, minister and a politician that died and went to heaven. And uh, they met Peter, and, and Peter said, well, let me show you your accommodations, where you'll be for eternity. And, and uh, so they followed Peter and took the first one to the minister's house. And it was a, a nice little one room with a bed, a, a cot, and, and a desk, and a chair, and a window that looked out, real plain. And uh, he, he said, oh, hallelujah. I'm, hey, I'm in heaven. At least I'm in heaven. Praise the Lord. I'm excited about what God has for us for the rest of eternity. So he said, okay, now he took the politician. He said, let's go see your house. And he brought the politician to this mansion. It was massive. Had servants, uh, swimming pools, tennis courts, vineyards, rooms, hundreds and hundreds of rooms. It was just astounding. And, and the, the politician was taken a bit back. And he says, uh, uh, excuse me, Peter, but I mean, thank you. But there's this minister that his whole life served God and fed the poor fed the hungry and clothed the poor and worked for your kingdom and that's all he got and and this is what I have and Peter said oh wait you don't understand this is really special you're the first politician we've ever had (laughs) right yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) Uh, so last week we saw that We, of course, are the dominant tribe on the earth. Uh, Daniel, when you go back to Daniel, we'll start with a passage in thought from Daniel and then also at the end. But Daniel says that we are, of course, that kingdom that was created when a small stone, who was Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected, that small stone was cut without hands and it dashed the feet of the statue which was a a prophecy against Rome, and it dashed the feet of Rome, and then that stone began to grow, and it consumed the entire earth, grew and grew and grew until it consumed the entire earth, and all the tribes of the earth, the word says, came to to that wonderful stone that the builders rejected. So we understand that our tribe is continuing to expand more and more as people are called out, While those tribes are collapsing from internal rot and decay, this tribe that we're in, hallelujah, is growing stronger every day. This tribe is expanding horizons. We're taking territory away from the devil. All sorts of wonderful things are happening to the kingdom of God. But we're going to look today 
at two more characteristics of that tribe. We talked about some of them last week. Two more characteristics of that tribe from Acts and see how we can then relate to them. So let's go down to verse 16. You know the, uh, the whole story. Paul was in Thessalonica. Then there was an assault at the one house. So they took him out and they went to Berea. And then <clears throat> he ended up in verse 16. Uh, in Athens. Now, when Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned. In other words, there were a lot of idols everywhere. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and that word reason is very important, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. Now, the Epicureans, these were two sides of this philosophical thing, and you see them today in our world. The Stoics were more rigid, and they followed uh, strict discipline in their bodies and, and in their lifestyles. Uh, and the Epicureans were the partygoers. They were the, the flesh didn't matter. They just did whatever felt good kind of thing. Live uh, tomorrow we may die, so just, you know, whatever. So that's, that's the way they lived. And they said, in verse 18, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. That's odd in the first place because the land was filled with gods. So they were still looking for one more god. Still looking. Still trying to see something. And they took him, verse 19, and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For you are bringing something strange to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. Verse 21, just so wonderful. For the, all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but to either tell or hear of something new. <laughs> then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, now we won't read the whole thing. You can read his whole sermon, but he goes on and preaches to them. We'll encapsulate it a little bit later. He said, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And then he explained who God was. He explained who Jesus was and explained what was happening in uh, the world because of that. And then verse 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we'll hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined and believed, among them Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Some people say that this was Paul's greatest evangelistic failure, because usually when Paul preached, there were great healings and great revivals and things like that. So it wasn't a failure. It was just a different response in a different place on the earth to hearing the gospel. And that's what we want to look at today. So we're going to see that I believe Athens is pretty much like America today. Pretty much like America today. And we're going to see some characteristics here. The first characteristic is this, that they had given themselves over to idols and superstition. <clears throat> you may think that because we're Americans, we are real sophisticated and we don't have superstitions anymore. <laughs> you may think that because we're sophisticated and intelligent that we don't have any idols anymore. Oh my Lord, are our, our lives filled with idols. I remember one time when I was subbing at, at the Christian school, and I, I think it was, it was like third grade or something, 
and I, I said, we were talking about the concept of idols, and I said to this, to this class, I said, well, can somebody name an idol? Do you think we have idols now? And one little boy, I don't know, must have been listening to his mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or pastor or something, immediately said, cell phones. I said, wow, look at you. Wow. But here's the, here's the backstory of Athens, and it's somewhat interesting. Dionysius uh, Laertes was a, uh, an ancient historian philosopher, and he tells what, happens in, what happened in Athens to bring them to the point of all the idols. And he said what had happened was there was a terrible plague that had hit Athens, so they sent a ship to Crete, and they asked for the help of a guy named Epimedes. He came and purified their city and stopped the plague. This is all part of history, myth, whatever you want to call it. And what he did was he took some sheep, both black sheep and white sheep. In other words, it didn't matter. There's, there's no right or wrong. One was not good, one was not bad. It was just black and white. And he said, wherever these black and white sheep go, wherever they lay down, build an idol right there. So that's why the island was filled with idols. Areopagus and all around had thousands and thousands of idols because everywhere where the sheep went, that's where they built an idol. And the plague was stopped and everybody was excited. But because they were just doing it that way, they didn't know what God healed them. So that's why they wrote the inscription to the unknown God. Whatever the black sheep, white sheep was, we don't know. But something took care of us. Now, here's the thing about this. Athens and Greece was the seat of intellect and knowledge. This country was the country of Thales of Miletus, Pythagoras. Every time you lay out a deck, you're using the Pythagoras theorem, right? You're making a square, angle. Pythagoras, Aristotle, Archimedes, Euclid. We still use Euclid, Euclidean geometry. Plato, Ptolemy, Hippocrates, the Hippocratic Oath. Our doctors take the Hippocratic Oath. This was that kind of land. The seat of intellect and knowledge was given over to fear and superstition because of a sickness. Does that sound familiar at all? The greatest country on earth, the United States, was given over to fear because of a sickness. So afraid that we shut everything down. We destroyed a whole economy. We destroyed schools. We destroyed education. We destroyed it all. Just like Athens, because of fear and superstition over a sickness. Wow. Wow. Beloved, we cannot give ourselves over to fear in any capacity anymore. We cannot give ourselves to fear of sickness, fear of war, fear of financial loss, fear of governments, fear of disease, because we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And note something there. We have been given, 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 given. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were given a new mind. You were given new power, new authority, new love. You didn't get this mind for yourself. You didn't buy this mind. You didn't earn this mind. You didn't do something great to get this mind. You didn't get this mind because you're all that. It was given to you. So do not give this mind away. 
Don't let Satan steal it from you. Don't let others' lies corrupt it. Don't let fear erode it. Don't let CNN confuse you. Don't let Fox News complicate it. Don't let your newspaper... Does anybody read a newspaper anymore? I don't even know if that's a thing. Is it a thing? (laughs) Pick up the newspaper and everything you're reading is about 42 hours already old. Don't let anything bewilder you or confuse you. We have dynamic power over all the power of the enemy through the mind that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. We have it all. We're the tribe that has the answers. (laughs) They don't have it. So that's the first thing we have to understand. Don't let fear and superstition guide your life. Let the word of God guide your life. Let the, let the mind of Christ guide your life. But the second thing is that they were called mockers. Mockers. Oh, we, we live in a country now that is just filled with mocking. Uh, my goodness. But I have to stop here and give you the Greek word. You know, I always give you Greek words when you know, the, when you know what they are. And everybody's going to say, why do you have to make every Sunday morning sermon an X-rated sermon? The, the word for, for mocker here, um, for babbler, because they said, we want to see what this babbler has to say. The word for babbler is sperma logos. And it literally means seed picker. Like a bird pecking. Pecking at stuff in the dirt. That's what, that's what it means. So all of these individuals were coming out to peck more seeds. They were coming out to see what this other guy was saying. Now, by extension, this is what that word babbler means. It literally means they spent time in nothing else. They were spongers, Thayer's tells us, spongers, loafers, gossipers, triflers in talk. Now, folks, I know, I know, I regularly make fun of Disgrace Book and Instasham and Spitter splatter, whatever it is. Uh, And it's fine. It's not a sin to be on those things. It's probably good that we have Christians on those things. I just, I can't become a part of the mealy-mouthed, energy-draining people that just skulk around, and all they want to do is peck at seeds. I I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I try to get on one of them, and then my phone and my computer gets filled with a bunch of losers just blapping away about something, and I, it annoys me, and I can't, I can't do it. We live in a world of trifling, trolling, seed-pecking gossips. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm going to pick my seed from this seed right here. I'm going to fill my mind with this seed right here because I have been born again, not with corruptible seed, Peter says, but with the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So we can spend all of our, we can fall into that same rut. We can become superstitious with them. We can become filled with fear with them. We can start picking around with the same trash with them, worried about what the Congress is doing now and worried about what the price of cars are going to be and worried about this and that. And oh my goodness, the price of eggs is now this and that. And we get all that stuff and then we go pick everybody else's seed and we're all picking seeds. Folks, stop the picking and get into the word of God. He will take care of you. Every one of us, he will take care of us. 
So they were, they were that, they were, they were mockers. They said, let's just go mock them. Let's go pick some more seeds. Let's go see what's going on with this guy. So you say, okay, well, how do we reach them then? How do, how do we reach them? Uh, I believe there are three, three, three ways that we reach this group because that's the most important thing. We talked about last week how we need to be reaching this other tribe and helping them to get out of their tribalism into the, into the real world. And so there are, there are three things we could do. Number one, if you notice from our text, there are actually, you have to know who you're talking to. You have to know who you're talking to. Uh, there were three types of hearers that Paul was addressing. The first one were the religious Jews. These were the ones in the synagogue. And, and these are the ones that heard this message over and over and over and over. They were taught it growing up in Jewish schools. They were taught it their whole lives. They understood it. They heard. They knew who the Messiah was supposed to be. They got it. They heard Jesus preach. They heard the apostles preach. They heard everybody preach. So first thing we have to understand is we live in a super saturated gospel society. Everybody has heard about Jesus basically in this society. Now they might not have heard it correctly. They might not have heard the correct gospel. But just about everybody at one time in their life has been a Catholic, a Lutheran, or a Methodist. <laughs> they, they know it. They've been to Sunday school, most of them. They know it. And, and Matthew 10, Jesus does an interesting thing. When he sends out the 12, he says, don't go to the Gentiles. Remember, he says, don't go to the Gentiles. First, go to the Jews. Go to the house of the Jews. And if you present them with the gospel, the good news of what's, what's coming, the kingdom, if you present that to them... And they do not receive you, what's he say to do? Dust your feet off and go to the next one. Now, that's not necessarily judgment. That's not saying, oh, well, you're going to hell. No, it's just saying, I, I've got a bunch of boxes that I've got to tick off here, folks. I've got, got a street to take care of here now. And if 123 Elm Street doesn't want it, then I'm going to go to 125 Elm Street. I've got to get to the next one. Because they've heard it over and over and over. Nicodemus figured it out. Josephus figured it out. Paul figured it out. Everybody figured So i got to move on to the next one. So, so there are times when we don't need to give the gospel to some people. I know I have family members. I have friends that were raised in the church. They've gone to Bible colleges, some of them. I don't need to tell them the gospel anymore. They already know it. They know it better than me, probably. Because they're running from it. <laughs> So I don't need to do that. You say, well, what do we do? You pray for them and leave them to the Holy Spirit. He will take care of them. You pray for them. Wednesday night in prayer, Jesse was telling about, was it your sister that prayed through the, her sister took it upon herself to start with A and go all the way to Z and pray for every country on earth. How long did it take her? It's a long time. But I can't go to Azerbaijan. But I can pray for Azerbaijan. I can't go to certain but I can pray for them. So you say, what do we do? We pray for them. We lift them up. We remember. We love them. We show compassion to them. That's all we need to do. We show the gospel in that way. But there's a second group, and that's the religious Gentiles. And these religious Gentiles were seeking something. They were seeking one of the gods, but they didn't know what. So they were throwing up idols everywhere. They were spending money on that which does not satisfy. They were having sex to fill a need. They were grasping at power to gratify. They were drinking booze to fill a void. They were taking coke or whatever it is. They were taking drugs. They were doing whatever they could to fill this void because they were seeking something. Now that's a good category to talk to Jesus about. 
But we have to be able to discern it, don't we? We have to be able to discern it. And then there's one last group, and that is the secular world, and that's the mockers. And to me, I say to the mockers, just leave them alone, pray for them, love them, leave them alone. Jesus even said it in Matthew, the seventh chapter. Who would hang earrings on a dog's ear or throw pearls in front of wild pigs? No, he says, you don't do They're only going to trample it under their feet and then turn around and take you out. We don't do that. If someone does not want to hear the gospel, don't tell them. I know, it sounds crazy. I told you one time before, I was talking with a gentleman a long time ago, and and he said, oh, you know, Jesus, I, I don't need Jesus. I said, you know what, you're probably right. Everything's okay in your life, you don't need him. You've got it all under control. And he looked at me, like, wait a minute, are you going to say something else? I said, no. I said, matter of fact, Jesus even said it. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. Only the sick need a doctor. So evidently, you're not sick, you don't need a doctor. And I walked away. Because I didn't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my time on somebody who doesn't want to hear the gospel when there are people around that do want to hear the gospel and have a need. Now, who knows, that guy might be saved right now. He might be preaching somewhere, I don't know. But to the secular world, we let him alone. Jesus let the rich young ruler walk away. He didn't chase him. He let him walk away. Isn't that amazing? He consigned the Sadducees and the Pharisees to the pit with no remorse. Almost, just total judgment. How about Paul? Demas, Phygelus, Hermogenes, they've all left me because they love the world more. Did Paul chase after them? No. He said, I'm praying for him. I'm praying that God will bring him back. But I'm not going to chase I'm not going to chase. You know what, folks? I'm getting too old to chase, by the way. But I think the key is found in the book of Jude. Jude puts it this way. But you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of, of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And on some have compassion, making a difference, making a distinction, he said. But others save with fear, pulling them from the fire. So we have to make distinctions as we minister. Because it's a totally different world now. And, and this, is, this is where it leads me to my second point, And that is Paul reasoned. He reasoned with them. Uh, we live in, again, a super saturated society. And uh, I... I if you're going to minister to the Jews, the Gentiles, and, and to, uh, to, the, to the mockers and stuff, I don't believe you could do it with one thing. I, I, I do believe in, in evangelistic events like we had with Franklin Graham. I do believe tracks are fine, things like that, giving out the, those kind of things, going door to door, that's fine. That's, those are all wonderful things. But Paul did not invite them to church. He didn't preach at them. He didn't give them a track. He didn't give them the four spiritual laws. He, he didn't say, you know... He reasoned with them. It's harder to reason with people and to sit there and listen to their words and try to come back and explain what words. It's harder to do that. And it requires relationship, doesn't it? It requires being with them. We have to be with the world. We can't get stuck in these four walls. We have to be with the world. And we have to reason with them. And Paul put it this way. Be ready always to give an answer of the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. 
So as I'm walking through my life making a distinction and someone seems to have a problem or a need, I can share with them Jesus and what Jesus did for me. And good things can happen. But if I meet somebody that just doesn't care and all they want to do is seed, pick, and mock, well, I'm not going to waste my time on you. I'm moving on to somebody else. Does that sound cold and hard? No. (laughs) I answered my own question. No, it's being realistic. It's being realistic. So we reason with them. But the last thing that Paul did, and I'll close with this, the last thing that Paul did, and this is, this is, I think, the most exciting part, is he proclaimed. He proclaimed. He didn't, he didn't stop. When they said, oh, we're going to mock, he didn't stop at that. He said, you invited me here, so you're going to get an earful now. And he began to proclaim. He said, I saw that you serve an unknown God. Therefore, the one that you don't know about, him I proclaim. And Paul proclaimed several things. He proclaimed that God is in control, that he's the maker, the creator, and the sustainer. He proclaimed that God is not religious. You don't need any temples. You don't need any lists of do's and don'ts. You don't need any of that. He proclaimed that God is our source because we live and move and have our being in him. He proclaimed that God is going to judge the world through Jesus. And then he proclaimed that God is going to raise the dead, starting with Jesus, and then he's going to raise me from the dead. So go ahead and mock, make fun, ridicule, call me any name you want. I'll still love you. I'll still pray for you. But if you want all this, it's here for you as well. It's very simple, very simple. But that's the message we proclaim. We don't dilute it. We don't make it easier for people to get. We proclaim the gospel that Jesus came He died, he rose again from the dead for our sins, and if you want it, you can confess your sins and have it. You know, that that has always been the most amazing thing to me, that you you tell a person, you tell a person, here, here, you know what, here's the gospel. You can can pass from death to life, you can know where you're going to go spend eternity. And in the meantime, God can bless you. He can give you an abundant life. He'll, he, can, he can provide for your needs. He can provide you. He can put you in a family where you'll be blessed. You can, you can be free from alcoholism and drug abuse and sexuality and all the stuff you're fussing with, all the things that are destroying your life. You can have that. Well, how much does it cost? It's free. Really? It's free. Wait a minute. Free. Absolutely free. There's no cost to the gospel. Well, don't I have to join a church? You don't have to join a church wait a minute. It's free. I don't have to join a church. Nope. Do I have to confess to somebody? Nope. You don't have to confess to somebody. It's just between you and God in your heart. Wait a minute. This is free. It doesn't cost me a thing. I don't have to join a church. I don't have to be part of a group. I don't have to confess anything to anybody. It's What do I have to do? Just confess your sins. Ooh wait a minute, I don't have any sins. I'm a good person. Oh, sorry, this tribe is not for you then. This tribe is only for bad people. This tribe is only for sick people. This tribe is only for people who admit they have a need. If you can't admit that, guess what? You're on your way to hell. Sorry. Can't stop you. Can't stop you. Isn't that amazing? Simple. 
But folks, proclaim it. Don't water it down. Don't make it easy. Don't make it an easy pill to swallow. The gospel is what it is. We confess our sins, and when we do, the entire kingdom of God is open to us. <laughs> what a blessing we can have. And I, I believe that's the message that Paul brought to his world, and I believe that's the message we need to bring to our world. This is not some sub-Saharan African country that has never heard the gospel. This is not the darkest part of the Amazon or South America that has never heard the gospel. This is America. And we are in a phase right now where we've got to learn to really reason well and love hard and love deep and look at that transgender person, that other person that is so far gone that we would love to just hit with a two-by-four Smack some sense into them. It won't work. We've got to reason with them with the love of Jesus. Just like Paul did. And many will not hear. And they are in the Lord's hands. But we reason with them with the love of Jesus. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I wish the entire world could be receiving this communion this morning. I wish the entire world, every man, woman, and child, besmirched with so much sin, so far from you. I wish every one of them could be in a church this morning to receive communion and to raise their hands in worship to you. That's a goal. We know that you don't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. So help us, Father, in these last days, help us to figure out the best way to reach these people. As Jude said, help us to make the distinctions and begin to minister in the way that we should minister. Help us to learn the gospel so that we can reason with others about it. Help us to understand what words we need to say. Help us not to be afraid because we know that your word says, you told the disciples, when they bring you up, don't worry about what you're saying because the Holy Spirit's going to be there. Help us to open our mouths in faith and speak the gospel to somebody. If they receive it, wonderful. If they don't, we dust our feet off and move to the next one. And we keep bringing it and bringing it and bringing it to everyone around us. Help us to be those messengers in this last day, Father, because we want the whole world to hear about Jesus and to see this wonderful kingdom that we're in. We thank you, Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. How many are glad that you're in this tribe? <laughs> and I, I don't say that in an arrogant way. I don't say that in a condescending way. I don't say that. I just say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, that I've been washed white Thank you, Jesus, that I have a new kingdom, a new heritage, a new destiny, and I could walk in it every day. Oh, my. And not because of my works, but because of him. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. You are dismissed. Go in his presence, praising him.